0: If you guys want to follow along, either on the video board or on your bulletins we have this morning's scripture, all the verses are coming out of Proverbs 14, uh, 15, 16, 22, and 24. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. A man of quick temper acts foolishly, and and a man of evil devices is is hated. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Do not say, I will do to him as he has done to me. I will pay the man back for what he has done. Please pray with me. Jesus, we love you this morning, and we thank you for your word, and this community, and everyone you've brought here this morning. I pray that as we spend this time together, that we listen to Brian's word and your truth as an act of worship, and that we would... Just be sensitive and and humble to receive it. Pray that we'd also bless you in the way we spend our day and that the whole day would be a sacrifice to you. Pray these things in your name. Amen. <clears throat>
1: <clears throat> All right, good morning, everyone. We are um, studying the book of Proverbs this summer, looking at different themes, and I always I hope that you can identify the theme by uh, reading the verses. Uh. And so this morning we are talking about the theme of anger. And it is, um, it might be the, the topic that many of us here this morning can have a very nice look on our faces and be quite happy and pleasant and cheerful, but just underneath that is a, a simmering anger and frustration and at just the right moment it will rear its head and, <clears throat> and do quite a lot of damage one way to think about anger is uh, the example of fire fire uh, in and of itself is neither a bad thing or a good thing it has the ability to warm your home you can uh, light a, a fire in the winter time and, and warm your home and we all enjoy that you can cook your food with fire But we also know that fire can do severe damage. And anger is kind of like this. Anger in and of itself is not a bad thing, but often it's used in a hurtful way. The Bible talks about God being slow to anger. The Bible talks about a righteous anger. But anger is something that men and women, mild personalities, strong personalities, all struggle with. Anger takes its shape in many different ways. Let me give you some examples of how anger can reveal itself. It can reveal itself through grumbling or complaining. The focus of your life is dissatisfaction. You're just not happy with anything. And you create a negative lens in which you interpret all of life. Does that mark you? A grumbling, complaining person that's unhappy with most of life. Anger can also be expressed through suppression. The refusal, to deal, the refusal to deal with the issue. The refusal to even acknowledge anger. The refusal to talk to a person that you are upset with. And then we have classic, good old, aggressive anger. The thing most of us think about. Just did a little bit of research this week. In the last two months... And I, I literally spent about a minute and a half looking at this. But just in the last two months, two young uh, female children, um, one was less than a year old and one was eight years old, were, were, uh, were shot in the last three months in our country over road rage. One little girl was shot because uh, this man who was following her parents thought he was driving too slow. Got upset and was, got to the point, this quick, this easy, Drove alongside the the family and shot into the car, striking an eight-year-old girl. Thankfully, she survived. Another girl in Seattle was shot. A one-year-old girl was shot by uh, a man because of road rage and was murdered. Cyclists on the road and cars, road rage. Dog owners versus non-dog owners. Surf rage. Rage it's everywhere. Grocery store, <laughs> waiting in line. The person who pulls out their coupons and wants to discuss with the checkout person about whether the coupon still exists, and people behind start fuming. <laughs> Yesterday, we were driving home from the beach, and um, my boys and I, we were all, I- I will, I'll just hopefully this doesn't get recorded, this part, but I'll just say this part. <laughs> we were riding in the back of the truck, so we live a, a pretty, no, I'm just kidding, I don't care. We live a, a pretty a pretty short distance from the beach, and so maybe a mile or two, and so we were on a, a, on a side road riding in the back of our truck. Karen was driving, I was in the back of the boys, and a lady uh, pulls up behind us and just wanted to go fast, and so she's right up on our tail, and um, my wife lets me know that every once in a while if I give a look, it's the look of, I'm irritated. And uh, so I guess, I guess unintentionally I gave that look to this lady, which rightfully, this, this is where anger becomes a very difficult thing, right? I gave her the look like, you better just back up. <laughs> she backed up a little bit. Here's the best thing. She's, I can tell, I can, I can look at her face. She's angry. Driving, look, with the phone in her hand, right? So here's the thing, anger, were really good, At identifying it in other people and I think it's much more common than we think it's not just a man thing it's not just a a, uh, type a aggressive personality type thing it happens to everybody and at just the right moment just the right situation any of us here can explode with classic aggressive anger there's also passive-aggressive anger, the desire to hurt people with your words or to guilt them out with your behavior. You can also control people with anger, manipulate people, situations or conversations. I came across an article this week called With This Rage, I The Wed. Talked about, this is a, a woman who wrote this, Kim Barnes, and she writes this. Given that no person is a perfect marriage, if you could pick your mate's flaws, the one flaw that you could live with, what would it be? She gives a list lust, gluttony, greed, laziness, wrath, pride. What she quickly learned from her boyfriend at the time was that his was rage. She watched him work on a sprinkler head in the yard and quickly saw it thrown against the fence. The chainsaw wouldn't work, so he picked it up and snapped it into pieces. She goes on and says this. One afternoon, we were driving, and, Bob, and she says, Bob and I were driving back from the store and found ourselves behind an elderly woman at a traffic light. She hesitated for just a moment, and he yells out, Get off the road, old bag! And we roared by, and he flipped her off. As time went on, his outbursts of anger became more frequent. Anger is powerful. It creates fear. It intimidates people. It alienates people. Eventually she said this, see a counselor or our marriage is over because the problem would not go away. And my point of even sharing that is this, is that everyone thought they had the perfect marriage. Everyone thought they had the ideal life. Behind the curtain was raging anger. The Bible says this about anger and we'll look at the book of Proverbs. It says three things that we'll just observe about anger. Number one, that that anger is a volatile power that has the ability to destroy your own health, your community, and make you look like a fool. So number one, anger is a volatile power. Number two, Anger is a volatile power that must be regulated. And then number three, the solution to unrighteous anger. Okay, so that's how we'll look at anger through the book of Proverbs this morning. So number one, anger is a volatile power that has the ability to destroy. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 29. Can we put those up, Brandon? Then I won't turn to all different places here. Um, I'll go ahead and turn to the first one. Proverbs 14. Actually, they're in the Bolton. Can I have one of those, Karen? I won't spend time. All right. It says this. Actually, we left off that part. I told Karen, I'm sorry. But Proverbs, it's 14, verse 29, and verse 30, which talks about how anger literally destroys the bones of the body. And if you do a little bit of research, I'm not going to quote you all the studies that I came across uh, this week, but I can just tell you that study after study after study after study talks about heart disease, liver disease, all of these things about how anger literally affects your physical body, that the stress, that your body is not created to be on edge all the time, to be tense, to be wound up that tight that the hormones and the things that your body releases during this much stress and anxiety literally causes physical harm to your own body. The Bible identifies things that we now identify through medical research. Next, we know that Proverbs tells us that anger will destroy community. Proverbs chapter 15 verse one says this, a soft answer turns away wrath A harsh word stirs up anger. Harsh words make things worse. It's our natural thing. Harsh words. Think about, for just a moment, your home life. And think about if you have children in your home, what kind of environment you're creating. Is it a place of anger and intensity and wrath? Does your spouse fear you because you might come back with a harsh word? Do people walk on eggshells around you because they fear you might have a a raging moment of anger? Kids will want, this is one of the the tragedies of, of home life. And this is something that I think about often, is that I guarantee you this. If your home, man, if your home is filled with anger, The moment your kids turn 18, they are going to run. We don't want it. People don't want to be around intense, angry people. People want to be around a place where there's life and joy and health and meaning. Verse 18 says this, Proverbs 15, 18, A hot-tempered man stirs up strife. A hot-tempered man. And men, sometimes we think it's cool, we think we're tough, we think we're strong, because you can punch a hole through drywall or throw something or yell something, and the Bible says that you're acting like a fool and you're destroying community. So anger has the power, it's a volatile power to destroy your own physical body. It has the ability to destroy community. It has the ability to destroy a home. It has the ability to destroy a church community. It has the ability to destroy neighborhoods. We've seen this. Somebody starts walking and you know this person, you know temper one wrong word and then there they go. Proverbs goes on and says this, anger will turn you into a fool. Proverbs 14, 17 says this, A man of quick temper acts foolishly, and a man of evil devices is hated. Listen, this is not that hard for us to think about. Just think about your own life for a moment. Think back for, or, over something that you've done, a quick reaction, you've said something, you've done something, and you look back and say, Man, that was dumb. That was foolish. i, I I probably hurt somebody with those words a quick temper will make you look like a fool anger leads to wounded hearts it leads to fractured relationships anger leads to divorce it leads to verbal emotional physical abuse it leads to suicide it leads to murder and this is one of those things listen I, I said anger leads to murder and we're like well Maybe that person over there, right? That's what, listen, that's what we always think. I would never do that. That's how we're wired. I would never do that. I would never go that far. And what I'm proposing to you is, yes, you might. If the situation is just right, you will always go further than you think. So anger must be Regulated. It must be regulated to its authentic purpose, that there is a role for anger. We won't turn there this morning, but let me just give you two examples. In Psalms chapter 7, it talks about that God is angry towards sin. That there is a righteous anger. That we should get angry over certain things. That there should be injustices in the world that get you angry because anger leads to action. And when innocent people, here's just a, a very, an easy example. If there is somebody that's being hurt, if there's a child being hurt, every man that I know in my life would step in. That would make you angry and you would step in and prevent that injustice from happening. So the Bible is very clear that there is a time and a place. In fact, Jesus in Mark chapter 3 gets angry. There's many places in the Gospels where it talks about Jesus getting angry. But it almost always is connected with this word, grieving, that there is a sadness about it. Whenever the Bible talks about God or Jesus being angry, it's always connected with this, slow to anger and grieving because there's a genuine, authentic love. On two occasions, Jesus cleanses the temple of the moneylenders because there is an abuse going on. One, uh, one author I read this week said this, being angry about the right things and in the right way is virtuous. But avoiding, at anger, avoiding anger at all times may be a sign of weakness. St. Thomas Aquinas notes how it is a vice not to get angry over the things one should. He calls it unreasonable patience. A failure to seek punishment of the unjust encourages the wicked to persist in their evil deeds since there are no reprimands for their actions. It also causes confusion in community over what is truly right and wrong and thus may even lead good people to do evil. So the Bible says this, that most of the time we get anger wrong we skew it towards ourselves and we get wrong for the wrong things for the wrong reasons. But Jesus is the perfect example of righteous anger, of pure anger. Why does anger go wrong? Most of the time, anger goes wrong because it's over these things. Just a couple, a list of things that I thought of. Most of the time, anger goes wrong because it's related to personal insults it goes wrong because you are upset because you are not accepted here's one of the things let me just say this i hear this all the time and this happens a lot in, in church communities is, that, is the idea of no, that nobody feels accepted nobody feels welcomed nobody feels like they're part of the in group and and what i can tell you here's the funny here's the irony of all this i feel the same way sometimes And I'm like the pastor. So that whole idea is like a misnomer. There is no in. There's no in. There's no out. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, because I feel the same thing. I can tell you that that is just part of, that is part of our own flawed human nature. If you feel like you're out, then go say hi to somebody. Now you're in. Now now you're in. Because there is no in. I'm not sure what in is. And what happens is people get really angry because they don't feel like They're in because you don't feel accepted, because you feel mistreated, because of a lack of emotional immaturity. There's just a lack of maturity because it's about you. Anger goes wrong because it's control, it's anxiety over control. (coughs) Anger happens and, and... This is probably one of the things I've been reflecting most this week is a disorganized life. There's so many different things going on, and you want to make sure you're being responsible. And everyone moves slower than you think they should. Hurry up. Faster, faster. Come on, we got to get in the car. we got to go. Frustration, anger, and when it's all on me. Listen, if if there's frustration with me and, and raising three boys, it's almost always related to this. This is one of the things that Karen's dad has helped me a lot. Listen, if the boys aren't doing what they should be doing, it's your job to teach them to do the right thing. Don't get mad at them. That's what people do. They do the wrong thing. We all do the wrong thing. So you have to teach them how to do the right thing and be patient. Anger also needs to be re- regulated because of a poor family example. This is, let me, uh, I don't think we read this this morning. If you have your Bible, turn to Proverbs 22 for one second. This is really important. Proverbs 22. 22, verse 45. It says this, I think we did read it. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare the key word here is learn that we are people who learn by examples and this is especially true if you have young ones in the home your little children they're just little sponges it doesn't matter what you say it's how you live your life Make no friend. Listen, this, is, this, should, uh, this verse caused me to be like, okay, I need to slow down and think about this for a second. It's saying this. Make no friendship with a man given to anger. That means it's a high-risk situation to be close friends to people who have anger problems because you are going to catch them. You're going to catch what they have. That behavior will flow into you. if you've had that as an example of your father that's something you need to be deeply aware of there are all sorts of reasons that anger creeps up into our lives and it causes us to be thoughtful about how we address this let's talk about then how do we, how do we um, heal our anger what is the solution to our anger how do we um, how do we deal with this and Um, there's a guy that lived a long, long, long time ago named St. Augustine. Born in, uh, I think it was around 350, 354 A.D. And he wrote a book called The City of God. And this will shed some light to help us with the solution to anger. Okay, here's what he said in this book. He defined his life in this book called um, The City of God as a rightly ordered love life. That you must have the right order, the, must, the right priorities of your life to live well. Here's, let me, here's what he, he goes on and says this, is that if, if your love for God is not the primary theme or the primary th- thrust of your life and other things are rivaling that, That is the beginning part of a lifestyle of anger. All right, let me just read something really quick, what he wrote. He says, On living a just and holy life, here's what it requires, to live a just and holy life, or to live a wise life, as we've been talking about this summer. He writes this, But living a just and holy life requires one to be capable of an uh, objective and impartial evaluation of things to love things that is to say in the right order so that you do not love what is not to be loved or fail to love what is to be loved or to have a greater love for what should be loved less or an equal love for things that should be loved less or more or a lesser or greater love for things that should be equally loved and so here's what he's saying an example if you love your free time more than God, anything that threatens your free time creates anger or frustration. Um, if you lo- here's a, this happens all the time. As a school teacher, I've seen this. If you love your children more than God, anything that threatens your children will create anger. I had a conference. Uh, we had a, an eighth grade boy who was having some problems. And um, so we had a parent conference. So we're sitting there, the parents and the teachers and the principal, and I said to the dad, I said, I, I want you to know that we really care about your son. We love your son. And, and I could, you could just tell, right? You can see on people's faces when they're getting mad. He looked at me and slammed his fist on the table. The whole table shakes. You don't love my son. I love my son. And the reason why was because I let the dad know that here's an area that the boy needs to work on. That's why when Augustine writes about this and he talks about thinking about the big picture of your life and how actually thinking over big picture things will work itself out into our daily life. If your love order is wrong, if you love anything more than God, then that thing is threatened. It will lead to anger. Listen, I, just, I know a lot of people that are barely holding it together and right beneath life right beneath just the day-to-day interaction with the people is a raging volcano of anger that's ready to explode. And it's because they are loving things more importantly than God. I'll I'll move on from Augustine, and we'll talk about the solution a little bit more. Okay, so here's how we... if, If Augustine says this, that the way you heal your anger is a reordering of your love life. And here, and here is the, um, here, we'll cut to the chase and I'll explain this more a little bit. But what happens is most of the time our anger, our anger is related to pride, selfishness, our own way, wanting to be right. And what that means is, is that, yes, we can come to church Sunday mornings and do things and say things and sing and say you love God, but will, what will really work itself out in your life if you're, if you're being genuine with that is that you'll love him most of all. You'll love other things secondarily. And that begins the process of healing you of your anger. The Bible elaborates on it by this, by first saying this. Number one, you have, to, if you want to grow, if you want to be, A peacemaker, if you want to be slow to get angry, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32 says this Whoever is slow to get angry is better than the mighty man. Like just the opposite, right? The loud, aggressive, strong, intimidating guy. The Bible says this No, the man who is slow to get angry is better than he. So, number one, If you have an anger problem, you have to admit that most of your anger is centered around pride and selfishness and self-pity. And what happens is people will live a lifetime of anger because they never want to deal honestly with the issue of pride or self-pity or fear And you never want to correctly diagnose how big of a problem it is. If you're not willing to admit your anger, it will hide from you. It will disguise itself from you. You'll justify it. You'll make excuses. You'll put a mask on it. But if you want to change, if you want to grow, if you want to get rid of, as Hebrew says, the root of bitterness, bitterness, you have to call it what it is. And the Bible says that it is sin, that it is wrong. And it's a huge problem. We always want to underestimate our problems. And the Bible says this is a huge problem. It's even a bigger problem than you realize. And if you want to ever grow, then you have to be willing to admit that. Let me ask some questions. You think about this. If you want to become a peacemaker, if you want to become a person who who can handle anger and regulate it and be slow to anger, think about these questions. Do you want to give up self-righteousness? Are you willing to give up power and control? Are you willing to demote yourself and promote Jesus to the place of power and authority in your life? Do you actually want to trust God with your life? Are you willing to take action Are you willing to spend the rest of your life putting to death that darling secret little sin of anger that shows up through complaining, cursing, cynicism, indifference, revenge, jealousy, bitterness, all of these things that we desperately want to hold on to are darling little secret sins and we hold on to it And beneath the happy face is bitterness, year after year, decade after decade. Number two, number one, you first admit that it's a real problem. Number two, you must identify your anger. When you feel anger coming, when you are tempted to complain, when you are tempted to be indifferent to injustice, when you are tempted to be aggressive or to gossip or to criticize, ask yourself this question what are you defending what are you protecting when you feel like it's coming on ask yourself what are you protecting what are you defending righteous anger pure anger defends innocence defends injustice out of control self-centered anger defends pride who are you to insult me it defends yourself. It defends your self-glory. It defends your place of power and control. Proverbs 24, 29 says this, Do not say, I will do to him as he has done to me. I will pay the man back for what he has done. I read a, a Tim Keller sermon this, uh, this week on this, and let me just share with you the insight that he writes on this talking to this verse Proverbs 24 29 says this do not say I will do to him as he has done to me I will pay back the man for what he has done here's what he says here's the implication of this verse what makes you angry is not what has happened to you but what you tell yourself what you tell yourself about what has happened to you what makes you angry is not what you've lost but what you say to yourself that means It's not that somebody is holding something away from you that makes you angry. It's if you say, I have to have that. I have to have that or my life is ruined. I have to have acceptance. Your anger comes from what you believe, not from what people are doing to you. You have to know that. Your anger comes from what you believe, not from what people are doing to you. Here's the analysis. Whenever you get angry, say this, what is the big thing that's so important that you're protecting? What is this big thing that's so important to me that I'm willing to clobber anyone who threatens it? What am I defending? If you ask yourself this question, if you do the analysis, more often than not, you will immediately be embarrassed because many times you're defending your own ego, your own pride, your own self-esteem, To become slow to get angry, to be gentle, you must be willing to admit that sin is sin, that anger, that unrighteous anger is sin. You must be willing to identify it. And number three, last, you must be willing to change your anger into gentleness by reordering what you love, connecting with Augustine. Proverbs 15, chapter Proverbs 15:1 says this: "A gentle answer turns away wrath. A gentle answer turns away wrath." When we look in the New Testament, in Paul, the Apostle Paul begins writing letters to churches, one of the things he writes often about is this idea of, of anger and how destructive it is. In Ephesians chapter four, He mentions this. I just wanted to show you just a highlight of this. Ephesians chapter 4 says this. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and slander and malice all of these, these are all words related to anger. He says, Let them not be a part of you. That's not who you are. That's not who you are as a follower of Christ. And if you refuse to be honest, if you refuse to see it for what it really is, if you refuse to see the pattern in your life that's developed of self pity, of anger, of blaming other people, it becomes very difficult to change and grow. what does anger say about what you worship anger says this if if you are worshiping anything other than God here are the possibilities of how anger will fit into your life you'll say things like this I want control I want to be right think about how many arguments happen between friends or spouses about wanting to be right it just keeps going up and up and up in intensity where it The issue that was being discussed 10 minutes ago is not even the issue. Now the issue is, I'm going to be right. No matter what happens, I'm going to be right. And that's when the, watch, the cursing starts, the tone of voice changes, the posture changes, your face changes, and all you want to do is be right. And what you're worshiping then is not God in your life. You're worshiping control you want to be right. You want to be heard. And you want to punish people who have wronged you. Anger has a never-ending appetite for revenge, for making the score even. In the book of Jonah, God asked Jonah this. He says, do you really have a right to be angry? Do you have a right to be angry? And listen, most of the time, the answer is no. Most of the time, the answer is no. No. I read um, a sermon this week by Dr. Martin Luther King and let me just share part of it. Who has much insight to say on the idea of retaliation and when people hurt you or say a hurtful word and you want to respond with anger. Here's what he he said in a sermon. Excuse me. He said this. Jesus said, love your enemies that you may be children of your father who is in heaven. <clears throat> of course you say all this about loving your <clears throat> yeah, excuse me. <laughs> of course you say all of this about loving your enemies is not practical. Right? That's exactly what we say. Loving your enemies is not practical. Loving people you disagree with, that's not practical. What's practical is I say shut up and you're, let me let me fix you. Loving your enemies is not practical. Life is a matter of getting even and hitting back and dog eat dog. Maybe in some distant utopia the idea will work, but not in the hard, cold world in which we live. Quoting Dr. King, My friends, we have followed the so-called practical way for a long time now. Time is cluttered with the wreckage of communities which have surrendered into hatred and to violence." Written in 1957. Time is cl- He is a brilliant writer. Time is cluttered with the wreckage of communities which have surrendered into hatred and violence. Think about the two families, one in Philly and one in Seattle, whose little girls were shot because of road rage he says this we are going to follow another way listen to this we will not abandon our righteous efforts with every ounce of our strength we will continue to rid the nation of the incubus of segregation but we will not in the process relinquish our privilege and our obligation to love while abhorring segregation okay, that's something that we should be angry about while abhorring segregation, we will love the segregationist. This is the only way to build the beloved community. Think about the things we fight about and argue about, husbands and wives, churches, neighborhoods. To our most bitter opponent, he goes on to say, we shall meet your physical force with our soul force. Do to us what you will and we will continue to love you. We cannot obey your unjust laws because non-cooperation with evil is as much as a moral obligation as it is to cooperate with good. Throw us in jail, and we will still love you. Send your hooded perpetrators of violence into our community and beat us, and we will still love you. But be ye assured that you will never wear us down. That's coals on the head, don't you see? One day we will win freedom, not only for ourselves. We will so appeal to your heart and to your conscience that we will win you in the process and our victory will be a double victory. The great military leaders of the past have gone and their empires have crumbled and burned to ashes, but the empire of Jesus built solidly and majestically on the foundation of love, is still growing. And the ultimate injustice of the world is that Jesus, the God-man, the most innocent, perfect man, was crucified on a cross and died a heinous death, was beaten, was punched in the face, had his beard pulled out, was spit upon, a crown of thorns pressed into his skull, nailed on a cross in a humiliating way, all to reconcile broken people, hurting people to the living God. And that is the gospel story. That's what God has done for us. He gives us his grace. The ultimate injustice of the world is turned into the good news that broken, angry, flawed people are loved and accepted because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. If you are here this morning struggling with anger, learn from the life of Jesus that there is such a thing as holy, pure, righteous anger, but it's never connected to your pride. It's never connected to self-pity. It's never connected to you being right. It's connected to a greater good. Let's pray.